I am going to talk about um, today's Angola and the reforms of President João Lourenço. <coughs> uh, first, I will make a um, short background about uh, Angola and what led to the, the present situation. Then I will talk about the reforms that Lourenço is engaging. In fact, is one big reform as we are going to, to, to see or I am going to defend. Then we'll see the, some of the consequences of the reforms. And finally, <coughs> I will make some an analysis of the, the reforms. It will be a, a, a provisional analysis as the reforms are in a, are a, an ongoing process. So maybe things are not what appear now, or maybe they will be different or not. We don't know for sure. No one's know. So the conclusion will be provisional. Well, let, begin, let us begin with the basics. Angola is the country what we can call of war and hope. Since 1961, it has been in war. Uh, what, what we can call liberation war, that liberation war against Portugal, the former colonial power, endured till 74. Then a revolution occurred in Portugal, but and that revolution led to independence of Angola in 75. In 75, three or four months after the signing of some agreements uh, that were going to, to produce independence, the civil war began in Angola. The civil war uh, took place with some highs and downs, but took place between 75 and 22. So it was a very long civil war. war. After uh, 2002, Angola began um, what we can call a process of reconstruction that did not went well. Um, and we are going to talk about it. Um, Angola is a very rich count, country, is nowadays the third largest economy in sub-Saharan Africa, after South Africa and Nigeria. It has plenty of all diamonds, those is, and also very good uh, waterways um, and splendid conditions for agriculture. Well, in, uh, regarding natural resources, is a very is a very rich country. Uh, since '79, uh, we have had President Duchantos. President Tuchantos was one example of the big man in Africa. He was present from 79 till 2017. The first president of Angola after independence was a poet and a medical doctor called Agostinho Neto. But he was, um, his death occurred in Moscow, in the Soviet Union then, in not very clear circumstances. Even today, we don't know exactly why, why is this happened. What we know exactly is it was substituted by Duchantos. 
Dos Santos was a man famous for his silence and famous for doing nothing. And <laughs> some, sometimes those could be the more dangerous. So he entered to the power in 79 as a, a non-dangerous man because he was always silenced in the, in the back of the room. And he stayed there till last year. He was president first in a Marxist regime. Then he presided to a transition towards a kind of democratic regime. And after that, in 2010, he presided through another kind of regime, also a democratic or called a democratic regime. Well, what, what is true is that in 2016-2017, Angola was one of the poorest countries in the world, had a, a stagnant economy, and was, had corruption everywhere. So, uh, no one really wanted Duchantos to continue, and there was a very strong popular pressure to change things. And and change, at, at least at first, of names happen, and enter the new president, João Lourenço. This is the, the one with the bowing to the former chief. João Lourenço was the former minister of defense of Dos Santos, was from the same party. Let us say that it was the same parties since 75 till now that occupy power in Angola, the party called MPLA. And so, uh, and the, the election of Lorenz was, um, a lot of accusations of fraud happened. Uh, I, I participated in some of, of, of the discussions, and it happened that the, the votes on the local polls were not transmitted to the regional polls, and then some results appear in the regional polls, and we don't know why. Well, but uh, uh, so uh, uh, Lawrence was seen as a continuation of the regime, another one. But since the beginning, Lawrence initiated a novel rhetoric and proposed, and his main aim was to fight corruption. And uh, his theory, as we are going to see, is that through fighting corruption, we create a series of consequences that will lead to economic development. So corruption, well, I'm anticipating the, the, the argument, so let us put it. So his main aim was to fight corruption. And why fighting corruption is the main objective of the new president of, and we can say, of almost all the Angolan society. This is a picture that the team I has, I'm part of took at the Luanda morgue, and it's an example. Even the morgues don't, do not function at Luanda. At Luanda morgue, each family carries these yellow jerry cans carries the box for the dead and they have to wash themselves their death with the water of jerry can they, they put the death in the box and they treat everything so 
even, even in this, there is no welfare, no institutions function in Holanda. And from this, let us call small fact, we have the big facts. The IMF found, for instance, in 2012, 32 billion of US dollars disappeared from state budget. We don't know why. Since 2014, the economy is in recession or stagnant. Malaria and epidemics killed a lot of people every, every year. So, those are facts, uh, let us say. In the, and it is at the same time, uh, the, the, the idea is that corruption kills. The idea that was pervasive in Angolan society is that corruption kills. It's not a question of some ministers have a cut of 5% and the rest continues. The cut sometimes is of 100%. Because in exchange we have the morgue, but we have the president and, and the family of president in Cannes with yachts, with a lot of um, wealth and uh, showing that wealth around the world. And that is the problem of corruption in Angola. Some authors uh, write uh, uh, a bit about what they call good corruption or the corruption that, the, uh, that put the, the economic function. In that case, in Angola, the amounts diverted from the public treasury were so high that they influenced the lives of the population and the development of the economy. So, in demonstrations, the uh, people use that uh, meaning, corruption, crime, idiom, that means corruption in your crime. Is the worst crime now is seen as the worst crime in Angola. As we are going to see further, corruption is not exactly what we call technically corruption, because under the mantle of corruption, there are a lot of behaviors different behavior. So when we talk about corruption, we are not talking about the Rose Ackerman or international transparency concepts, but of a more large or broad concept. The theory of corruption in Angola is now uh, linked to what the economists call the frontiers of possibilities of production and costs of opportunity. We have here the, 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 the famous, the famous uh, word. If we produce guns, we don't produce butter. If you produce butter, you don't produce guns. It's the usual thing in economics. What, what people say in Angola, if we have corruption, we don't have economic development. If we have to have economic development, we have to erase corruption. So there is a direct link, as there is the famous link of guns and butter, there is a direct link between corruption and economic, uh, economic um, development. And why that link? Because 
of the amount. For instance, in the program of yellow fever that uh, I suppose it was Norwegian, Norway that support uh, some program of yellow fever for, for combat yellow fever, it was discovered that 100% of the program was taken off by the minister and his staff. It was not a question of 5% or 10%. It was a question of 100%. So, with that huge amount, it's impossible to, toler to tolerate any longer corruption. Because it's a question of option between development and corruption. So, the essential theory is that combat corruption will make available a, a huge amount of money. It will create a new climate of confidence for investment, as well as obstacles to free operation of the markets, and then productive forces and economic growth will happen. It is not usual to link corruption directly to the, the, the idea of economic development, but is the, the, the well, is the bet of João Lourenço. But that means that the concept of corruption is not the legal concept. As you know, the legal concept is that corruption is a crime connected to receive certain amounts to perform or not certain acts. Here, corruption is more seen as a system where the state, a bit more, a bit as happened in South Africa, but uh, broader and larger. As some people occupied the state, and through that occupation, they used the state to their own uh, benefits. What uh, Akile Bembe called the privatization of sovereignty. In practice, it was what happened, uh, the theory goes now, in Angola. That privatization of sovereignty means that Angola was a state with oil, but without population. Population, in fact, was not important to the political power because they didn't pay taxes, they didn't enrich the political power. The taxes came from the oil, so the important thing was to protect the oil and the businesses. So we could, can call Angola kind of state that didn't need population. Well, those were the concepts, those were the concepts that are in the base of the thought. Well, we don't uh, look at uh, the inner workings of the brain of John Lawrence, but as far as we can see through the, the, the conversations and the, the advisors and the, those sort of uh, inquiries and research, the, the, the previous concepts were the, the ones that were in the base of the thought of João Lourenço. Also, to a certain extent, the IMF and the World Bank had the same thought as when João Lourenço announced his reforms, they reviewed in eye the projections 
concerning GDP and economic development. It was an error, but, but we are going to talk about it later. So, which are the reforms? The first reform is the rhetoric. The rhetoric was very important because João Lourenço, almost every day, even till now, speaks that his main aim is combat corruption and impunity. Beyond the, the rhetoric, we have the, what we can call the reforms or the changes that it, he has tried to make. The, former, the first one was the dismissal of former leaders linked to President Duchamp. His famous doctor, Isabel Duchamp, that is the, the richest human in Africa, according to Forbes, was dismissed, dismissed from the uh, as CEO of Son and Gold, the oil company. His son of Duchantos, that we in Angola call Zenu, that means it's an abbreviation for Joseph Mendes dos Santos, was dismissed from the sovereign fund. And there was a general change of the guard, let us say. So the first thing was the dismissal mostly of the family of the former president. But that is not unusual. Uh, the second one was the abolition of some mono monopolies. For instance, Isabel Duchamp had a monopoly concerning diamond trade, and there were some uh, tender contracts concerning the construction of dams. This was all annulled or abolished. Or abolished. Then we have the political empowerment of the attorney general to prosecute personal exposed persons and VIPs. Uh, the, the powers that there is new legislation, but the general powers of the general attorney did not change. What changed was the political impulse. He was told that now was time to prosecute the former VIPs. And some prosecutions began. Uh, the, f the most famous was the arrest of the, the son of the former president, chairman of the sovereign fund, and also of the um, former minister of transports. With no pre uh, no prisons, we had three or four cases. One case of a transfer of five hundred million dollars to London. I should say that London is always what we can call um, the perfect financial center for all financial operations in the end concerning at least Angola and I suppose most uh, of Africa. But uh, here the UK authorities denounced that transfer and it created uh, uh, a case but this case is going on. The, the state has recu recovered the money, but it's going on. And we have also new legislation for asset recovery. So the focus is too much or is in asset recovery. Uh, the president wants to recover all the assets that are around the world. Th that legislation, as we are going to see later, it has not worked. But 
the most, what we can call the symbol of the reforms, is a person, is an arrest, and it is the arrest of the son of the former president. He is now free, as I will explain later. So what were the first effects and consequences of those kind of reforms? Who are not economical? Who are not economical? The, the, the unleash of economic productivity, of economic investment, of foreign direct investment, did not happen. Well, we have to say that we have only a year of the reforms, but till now, the economic, uh, the economy is still stagnant. The effects were two: a popularity rise of Lawrence in Angola. Now he has a kind of legitimacy that he did not have through the elections, but now as he has arrested the, the children of the former president and dismissed the children of the former president, he is a popular guy, let us say, and he, he has a good international environment. He is received in the capitals of Europe, he is well received in USA, but he is also well received in China and Russia. Yes, that good capital. Those are the effects. However, the reforms add what they have, what I call some ambiguities and the symmetries. First, those were reforms based on rhetoric and legal cases. And words, wind blows the words as we know. And concerning legal cases, the question is that, that, that cases are now crumbling. What begin with great strengths from the judicial, now only one minister is under arrest, one, and there were a lot of ministers and generals, and it is not seen that the cases are going forward effectively. Then, to prosecute, it seems, a lot of uh, trampling, what I call trampling, of the rule of law happened. For instance, members of parliament were detained without authorization of parliament. Plea-Bergain accords, were, agreements were made, but the law prohibits it, it's forbidden according to Angolan law to have plea bargains, not, it's not as Brazilian or the USA law. No specific structures were created to combat corruption. In fact, the, till last month there was only one single prosecutor with all the cases. More VIPs were left outside the general sweeping than inside. Manuel Vicente, this man here with Mike Michel Temer of Brazil, is an example. He was prosecuted in Portugal, the former Portuguese, the former colonial power, due to questions of corruption. And uh, the new president, Lourenço, entered in a diplomatic battle with Portugal to avoid, and it was successful, to avoid that prosecution. 
And Vicente is considered by journalists and, and uh, investigative agencies the most corrupt of the past because he was the head before his, Isabel dos Santos, the daughter of dos Santos, he was the man of Sonangol, he was the oil man. So he is considered the worst. And even though he is considered the worst, he has the protection of the new president. So, what we see is that something happened, but not very much. And in the end, the main objective that was econ economy recovery did not happen. The, eco the economy continues without any growth. And here, the IMF and World Bank uh, maybe they are confirmed the appreciation of Paul Romer, that says they are for, uh, former research director of World Bank, that said that most sometimes the analyses are biased due to political considerations. And it seems they saw Lorenzo announcing a great sweep against corruption, and they revised the numbers of economy. And then, after one year, the numbers were completely different, because the fundamentals of the economy, they did not change. So, we have here a cartoon of the most famous cartoonist of Angola, called Sergio Pissarra. This is the president, Lorenzo. Here says, fight against corruption. This is hope. The, the people are, are getting less hope. And this is the devil winning. Here we say, governmental messes and uh, attorney general messes. And this is now uh, what we can call in a, in a cartoon the results of the reforms. The hope is diminishing and the devil is winning according to the, what we can call the popular view. This is from May, I suppose, this, from April. This, uh, this <coughs> of course, there were other reforms, a new uh, private investment law, the reorganization restructuring of Son and Wall. But what people think is without success in fighting corruption, that the reforms will be useless. The, 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 the great argument is this, if we don't fight corruption, we can reform everything, but in the end, everything will stay the same. So, beginning with conclusions, there is in fact a feeble fight against corruption, and we can make, we can choose two ways to see what is happening in Angola. The first way, the first, of, the first uh, reality could be that in Angola is happening the same as in China with Xi Jinping. The fight against corruption 
is mainly a, a way to reinforce the political power of the new president. So, is a way to end, and the end is to reinforce political power. Now, is more popular to fight corruption than to embrace the corrupts. And so, through that, that policy, the president, in the end, will stay stronger. Another explanation for what is happening, this man here with glasses is a former Portuguese prime minister called Marcel Caetano, is the last prime minister of dictatorship that um, tried to open the dictatorship to democracy. And people say that he has flashed to the left and turned to the right because he has made very nice speeches, but in the end he has adopted, we can call for simplifying fascist policies. Because, not because it was his intention, but because the oligarchy of the regime obliged him. And so maybe the same is happening with João Lourenço. Maybe he, has, he tries to be an agent of change, but the structure of the regime will not let him change, because the, the structure of the regime is strong based on the previous arrangements and will only uh, allow cosmetic change. So, I don't know if the question is, is that if this is the result of Lorenzo's reform, this is Lorenzo, if this is the result, Lorenzo last week, if it is the result or not of Lorenzo reforms. Nevertheless, I know, I, I, want, I want to... I want to put this up. Nevertheless, the gates are open. The, and this is the opener, the new speech of Lorenzo and a certain new freedom uh, has put people now in Angola discussing things seriously. And we have here with the, form, with the famous civil society leader, with I work, they now fulfill the cinemas, the meetings, the conferences, so there is what we can call a new political awareness that the reform, even if they are, they don't, they don't succeed, people will have, uh, we will um, try to make them succeed with their own, own exigencies. So, what I believe that even the, if the reforms fail, and they seem they have failed, what is not failing is that the gates are opening and, and it will be difficult to, to return back. And I, I have to add that at the same time in RDC, even in Zimbabwe, in South Africa, in Mozambique, changes are occurring 
concerning the former, the former uh, regimes. In RDC, you, I have followed also because Angola has had a, a permanent, a permanent uh, role in the change in, in uh, DRC, DRC. And uh, so maybe in that region things are changing generally. And that's it. Thank you for your attention and I hope that I've been clear about it. Thank you. <laughs>